Action Fanatics, welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. I'm your host, Chris the Brain. Joining me, as always, Chad Cruz. And Chad, if there's one thing we learned back in our wrestling days, it is card subject to change. Yeah, and, and it goes. it's true in wrestling, and it's true in the podcasting world as well, because we learn to roll with the punches. You have to learn to be able to adapt and overcome, evolve as time goes on, and uh Essentially, you watch so many movies, so many action films that you can just, at the drop of a hat, just start talking about them. Absolutely. So we were going to talk about video games with Ryan Campbell, but Ryan's a bit under the weather. So filling in and changing our whole show around, it's the perfect guest for that. It's the toy man, Christy Petrillo, and we're talking the perfect weapon, Chris. That's right. I uh, I want to thank you guys for inviting me, uh, adapting, you know, rolling with the punches or with the uh, Kempo shots, as they say, for the perfect Ooh. weapon. I don't know if they say Kempo shots. That sounds like a bad drink at a college bar. <laughs> Maybe at the, uh, what's the uh, crock pit club? I don't the know. It's like a martial arts, uh, like themed bar, the Kempo shot. Well, before we get into Perfect Weapon, though, I want to ask you something, Chad. Yes. Do you know what I'm wearing right now? Uh, I'm going to guess that it is it is a brand new Bulletproof Podcast t-shirt. It absolutely is. Yes. We have brand new Bulletproof Podcast t-shirts in multiple colors. Indeed. And uh, you can find that at the Bulletproof shop, which you get to get the link where else, but bulletproofaction.com. And you should be going there all the time anyway to check out what we've got because we've got something new each and every day, new reviews, new features. Um, and these are these are great T-shirts, Chad. They're great T-shirts. They're soft. Um, they come in uh, several different sizes for all of our small and, and large people out there. And, and uh, cool new logo, cool stuff on the, on, the, on the front of the shirt. And like you said, three different colors to choose from. So why wouldn't you want to wear one of our Bulletproof Podcast T-shirts? Yeah, it celebrates all things action, which is appropriate because that's what we do on this podcast. And of course, that's what we do on BulletproofAction.com. Um, and I know something that Chris DiPetrillo does quite frequently as I get updates. Uh, the Dollar Tree. Our Dollar Tree hunter, Chris, do you have an update for us? Uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, kind of a small one this time around. Not a big batch came in. And it was, that's uh, what she said. That, that is what she said. And uh, before I dive into uh, this edition of the Dollar Tree DVD dives, I want to thank Chad for sending me one of those bulletproof T-shirts. Uh, I do have one. It's nice, comfy and cozy. And as the resident fashionista of Bulletproof Action, I highly recommend that you all run out and get one. Uh, that being said, I did manage to score quite a bit of action awesomeness this time around. Uh, several Jean-Claude Van Damme flicks made it into the Dollar Tree pile. So I am now the proud owner of Kill 'Em All, uh, as well as an action triple feature, which included the great JCVD on it. So now my burned copy can uh, be retired. Managed to score a 10-episode collection of the original Magnum PI. So if we want any of that retro action awesomeness, maybe for a scene of the week or... Uh, Little uh, a checklist. Little, we love yeah, doing a checklist. checklist. On the old little school. checklist action. Yep. We got that. We got the remake of the stepfather. Oh, the remake. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we got 
the uh, Universal Soldier two pack of Regeneration and Day of Reckoning. Very good movies. Uh, JCV also making another appearance uh, as the movie Kill 'Em All. This was a this was a very Van Damme heavy Dollar Tree week. Wow. And uh, then you kind of just fall into the very generic, very, you know, could be good, could be bad. Would you skip over it on Tubi type of selection? Like straight out of Oakland. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, that one sounds like it's more just straight to DVD. Could it go straight into the trash bin? We'll find out soon enough. And then uh, a movie called Turf War featuring Fat Joe. So oh boy. My, the hip hop aficionado in me is very anxious to see if he got top billing for a main role or if he just kind of donated five grand to the shoe and they gave him top billing. Now I have a question for you first, before we move on toy man, uh, you are our fashionista resident fashionista. You're also our hip hop guy. So I wanted to ask you, are you familiar with uh, hip hop chips? I am not. Fam- Wait a minute. Is this like the potato chips, like with different people, like the hot they are potato They're- chips? Yeah, like Cardi B barbecue chips yeah, and yes. Dogs, yeah, my my, my buddy meat. actually brought them up fairly recently during one of the UFC shows. He's like, I gotta get some of those hip hop chips. I'm like, what? And he <laughs> kind of clued me in as to what they were. So yeah, that was actually a fairly recent I, conversation I had. I've seen them in stores, but have yet to purchase any. And I was just wondering if if you had a review for them. But uh, okay, so now we need to we, we need to make this happen now. That you know, maybe the next time that we all record together, we should each have a bag handy. And we can taste test them on the air. I yeah, that'd be that'd be great audio uh, hearing that crunch. <laughs> hey, and also, Toy Man sent me a care package uh, a few weeks ago with about fifteen new action movies, and I did not own a single one of them. So, thank you, good sir. You're welcome. I, I could say the same. I got mine about a week after you, Chad, due to the craziness of the USPS over the holidays. But uh, yeah. All new movies for me as well. So, yes, thank you, Chris. You're welcome. Uh, we absolutely love movies. Uh, Chris loves Dollar Tree. And if you're looking for love this Valentine's Day season, Filter Off and Geekscape have your hookup. I'm a mess. I'm such a wreck. Hey Geekscapists, with Valentine's Day around the corner, we've decided to hook you up. Geekscape has partnered with the video dating app Filter Off to bring you a free and fun video speed dating event on Saturday, February 13th. To take part, all you've got to do is download the Filter Off dating app to your smartphone. Find the Geekscape event in RSVP with the code GEEKSLOVE2. That's T-O-O, because we do love to. You don't have to wait until Valentine's to use the app either. It's fun and free, and Matt Kelly has already racked up a ton of dates on it. So, what have you got to lose? Download Filter Off, and we'll see you on February 13th. Geekscape forever. Welcome back to the Bulletproof Podcast. Chris the Brain, Christy Petrillo, Chad Cruz here, and we are about to talk about the perfect weapon. This one released March the 15th, 1991, directed by Mark DeSalle. And Mark only directed two movies during his career. He did some more producing. But the other movie he directed, Kickboxer. I mean, so this guy, if you're only going to direct two movies, directing Kickboxer and Perfect Weapons, a a pretty good way to go. That is a two for two resume right there. It's like uh, getting to the majors uh, in baseball having two at-bats and hitting two home runs and then just retiring right there. Yeah. 
go out on top. Absolutely. Uh, Perfect Weapon, of course, starred Jeff Speakman, and this was Jeff Speakman's first starring role, basically his introduction to the to the action world. Um, and in the opening credits, Chad Cruz, I know this is one of your favorite scenes, Jeff Speakman, who plays Jeff Sanders, he's got the power. He does indeed have the power. The opening credits, how, how could it be any more inspiring and motivating to watch uh, the Jeff Sanders shirtless in his living room? just shadow boxing the shit out of this with a, I've got the power blaring in the background. Um, when I was a kid, it, the danger zone was the number one song for me as a kid. You know, when danger zone came on at the skating rink, I was balls to the wall going as fast as I could. And then when the nineties hit, my God, if I've got the power came on, I would sneak, I would sneak behind a corner of a building or something and I would just be shadow boxing and throwing kicks and beating up imaginary people left and right. It was great. You wouldn't be in a very small living room like Jeff Speakman did. Well, my living room was probably smaller and cluttered as (laughs) shit. Uh, But yeah, similar. I was going to say there was no way that you did not recreate this. uh, Just knowing you as long as I have. I still do it when my when my family goes to the grocery store or something. It's just me in the living room recreating this scene. I believe it. I believe it 100%. So after he's done doing his little kata exercise, uh, he calls his friend Kim, who is played by the legendary Mako. Or is it Mako? I always like to say Mako. Yeah, Mako sounds good. Uh, but uh, he, their, their call is cut short because uh, Mako, or Kim as it is, uh, He's being interrupted by some mobster type guy and basically trying to strong arm him into selling drugs at his little shop, his import shop. Uh, so this troubles our, our hero, Jeff Sanders. So what does he do? He hops in his car and he's on his way to L.A. Uh, to see his friend Kim, who lives in Koreatown. Um, and as he's driving, Chris, we get a series of flashbacks that begin to kind of catch us up to speed why he moved away from Los Angeles to begin with. Yeah. fills in the backstory showing Jeff's troubled youth and his eventual enrollment into, uh, Kempo classes and how he evolved through those classes into quite the expert and, uh, the defender protector of his little brother, uh, knocking a football bully on his ass with the skills that he learned. Yeah, and speaking of skills, we see uh, that Jeff is quite the pole vaulter as well. And mm-hmm. you kind of, that's one of those things where you're like, is this going to come into play later in the movie, Chad? Yeah, and and obviously it's going to. Uh, it's just a matter of time before he's able to, to use it. But um, it's pretty cool because we get this whole backstory. You know, he's a troubled youth. He, he, has, a trou- he has trouble with discipline. He lashes out at people. He's violent. Then he goes, they teach him to be more, to be more efficient with his violence, but also discipline in the, in the same respect. So he goes to master Lowe's school. He meets Jennifer, who's a, you know, a little girl who's, you know, I assume roughly the same age as him. Um, And we kind of watch him progress through this white belt to black belt. uh, And he gets this handy dandy little ring that as we'll see later in the film, it flips from, uh, I believe a tiger on one side and a dragon, dragon on the other yeah, side. That's, that's so a pretty big, cool ring. Big piece. And one of the things I thought was cool was the where he's doing the kicks and as he's kicking, the, the belts change colors. Oh, yeah. And my son is in karate now, and I am going to do that exact same thing with him. So I'm hoping he'll he'll progress as, as far as uh, Jeff Sanders does. But 
Um, at least he's got a couple belts I can do. I can start with the white belt and start moving forward now. And like Chris said, you know, he gets into it with the football player nearly, I mean, hospitalizes the football player who was picking on his little brother, Adam. Uh, this, his father's pissed at this point. Father played by a bow star. Um, and he's like, you got to get out of here. You're out of the house. I don't want you around Adam. You're bad news. And that explains what happens there, why he's leaving. Uh, but before he leaves, he goes to, to see Master Lowe. And he talks to him and kind of gives him that last lesson. Uh, you know, he's like, right now you're the tiger, but one day you could be the dragon. But something you have to kind of find out for yourself. There's no, he can't teach him how to do that. It's just got to happen. It's kind of like Bruce Leroy's um, adventure minus the glow. That's that's a great point. Yeah. It's a great point. Um, says goodbye to Kim. And then we're now into the present day Chad Cruz and Jeff arrives in Koreatown just in time for more trouble at Kim's import shop. Yeah. Jeff Sanders uh, always shows up at an opportune time to beat some ass. Um, he, he always finds himself in these situations where he gets to beat the shit out of like five guys, but he, he, he arrives at, uh, his buddy Kim's antique shop. Um, they're there trying to strong arm him and Jeff just kind of wanders in and beats the crap out of these thugs, uh, destroys half the store. Right. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say but like the thugs were already causing yeah. some damage, but when Jeff gets there, like half the inventory is gone by the end of it. Oh my God. He's like, these are very old vases. And next thing you know, they're all just smashed on the ground. So he does help his buddy, Kim, you know, he's not getting stabbed or anything shanked, but uh, yeah, he totally destroys his shop. Now, my concern there is that when he originally called Kim, there was trouble brewing then. And we had enough of a car ride where he was lazily reminiscing behind the wheel. So he wasn't exactly in a rush to get there. Why didn't he just call the cops the first time? Well, I took it that he didn't quite know what was going because the call just ended. So, you know, maybe maybe he didn't pay his bill or something. I mean, his, the way his home was decorated, it didn't seem like he had a lot of money. So may, maybe he just thought his phone cut up. I don't know. But that's a good point. He, he didn't seem like he was in a rush. He just kind of leisurely showed up and just happened to be there when these guys returned to cause more trouble. Uh, we also meet a, another character here, Chris, Jimmy Ho. Yes, played by Dante Bosco, who most people would remember from Hook as the leader of the Lost Boys, Rufio. But it's uh, it's funny that you threw it to me for his introduction into the film because he has a tie-in to my beloved TNBC Saturday morning sitcoms. His brother Dion was a main cast member on City Guys. See, I knew that, and that's why I did throw it to you because I know all about TNBC. <laughs> you are the man. You guys... You guys are clicking so well right now. We are vibing. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, you know, Kim tells Jeff, you know, that, you know, Jimmy kind of reminds me of you when you were his age. And yeah, at first I think Jeff is like, whatever, but uh, it kind of comes true as, as the movie goes on, as we yeah. will find out. And I, I just looked it up guys, just so you know. Um, so I believe when he's listening to the radio at the beginning of the film, Jeff Sanders is in Santa Fe Okay. Uh, the the so, action happens in LA, so it's about a nine hour drive. So he's reminiscing for nine hours, and it gives the the uh, mafia or the mobster dude time to go back and collect his boys and come back. So I don't know why it took nine hours, but there you go. Well, they may just they they may have been showing up every hour on the hour just to pester the poor Could old be. man. 
And Santa Fe would make sense due to the decor. He did have kind of yeah. a southwest feel to his. Uh, and I and I think he was a he was a construction worker, wasn't he? Yes, yeah. he was. We we so, did, we briefly see him doing some construction yeah. work for no apparent reason, and then yeah. then comes home to. Did he call off it. work though? Because he's gone for a while. Yeah, that that's interesting. To I don't think appreciate about. that. We don't want yeah, we don't want people just going AWOL from work. The perfect weapon, but the imperfect contractor. <laughs> yeah, he's way behind. So uh, Jeff offers to help Kim uh, d- deal with the uh, what he finds out is the Golden Fist, uh, the Korean Mafia. The Golden and, is it the Golden Fist or the Golden Hand? I don't know. I have it written two different ways. So pick which one you want. I think it was the Golden Hand. I, I probably that. was watching an old SmackDown at the time. All right, so <laughs> uh, so the Golden Hand is the uh, Korean Mafia, and uh, Kim says no, you can't get involved in this. You know this. You're an outsider. Don't don't worry about it. I'll de- I'll deal with it myself. So, you know, they just kind of hang out, have a little tea. Jeff goes and takes a walk. Uh, Kim goes to bed, and he has a unexpected visitor. Does Kim pronouns pal uh, Tanaka, who was conveniently played Chad Cruz by Professor Toro Tanaka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, former professional wrestler. Uh, current is he dead? Currently uh, dead. Former professional wrestler currently dead. What an correction. <laughs> Former professional wrestler, current dead guy. <laughs> he accurate. <laughs> An accurate statement. We don't tell lies on this program. A frequent heavy in the martial arts world, Professor Torotanaka. There we go. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> let's pick up the slack on that. Let's see. Uh, I've seen a few years. Revenge of the Ninja, a canon favorite. Oh, shit. Yeah, he only died in 2000, so, I mean. <laughs> it's not too soon, right? <laughs> no, it's yeah. not too soon. So he's super dead right now, but he did, yeah, he he was like the heavy and and I don't know how many films, and he he would always play the, uh, the one I remember him most from, it, he would probably hate me for this, was his Three Ninjas. Um, yeah. But he would he would be the big heavy to the, the main henchman for a lot of, a lot of villains, and in this film specifically, he plays like uh, – the main bad guys, uh, number two and muscle and, uh, flag or flag flower having, uh, assassin. So he sneaks up by stomping on every single step as he walks up Kim's <laughs> stairs. And then he, he like, you know, mumbles to him as he's like, he's like trying to talk himself out of killing him, but he kills him either way. And then he leaves a little flower on his chest after he kills him. The signature. Yeah. It's adorable. And, uh, so yeah. So Kim is dead. Jeff comes in. He's kind of, as he's wandering around the streets, sees something's up, runs back in there, finds Kim dead. Here's a car starting up. And so Jeff runs down the stairs, chases the car on foot. And, you know, obviously Tanaka's going to get away. Um, and then the next day, uh, we get a brotherly reunion, Chris. Yeah, Detective Adam Sanders, the little brother that Jeff got in trouble for protecting earlier in the film in that uh, montage when he fought the football player, shows up and decides that he wants to take this case on because Kim is a friend and you know he's feeling a little uh, extra heavy on the heart because of it and he wants to make sure that justice is served. And uh, Adam, played by John Dye, who action fans may remember from being one of the members of the American team in Best of the Best. Yes. I didn't remember. But yeah, now that you mention it, yes. He was Virgil in Best of the Best. 
No shit. And his hometown was actually Providence, Rhode Island, the same town where I was born. How about that? What a small world we're living in, isn't it? Mm. Gotta love it. Gotta love how it all ties together. And so, but let me ask you real quick: Is Virgil your least favorite character in Best of the Best? He was definitely the least developed. I mean, he was like the hippie. (laughs) Yeah, he was. He was pretty sadly uh, poorly used, I'd say. Where does Virgil rank on your list of bodyguards? Thank Oof. you. Not number one. Tanaka might be number one. He's he's quite good. Um, pretty good, yeah. So, yeah, Adam wants on the case, goes upstairs to, to find out what's going on, sees his brother. Yeah. So that's kind of awkward. Uh, but he's like, hey, let's go down to the station. You can look at some mugshots. Um, you know, that does no good. And Jeff is basically like, I'm going to take care of this myself. Yeah. Adam's like, oh, hell no, you're not. Uh, you know, if you do, I'm going to throw you in jail. You know, this is police business. But so not not the happiest of reunions, Chad. Yeah, it's it's not. And you could tell there's some animosity there. Uh, Jeff having left how he did and him and Adam just going separate paths um, in adulthood and, and wanting to handle this in different ways. But but Jeff, you know, even though Adam is, is on the case now, Jeff is still going to he's still going to pursue whatever leads he, he thinks he has. And, uh, you know, he knows there's some Koreans behind this. So he, I'm assuming he went to a Korean restaurant first. We don't see that in the film, but after that, he, uh, he goes to a, a dojo of some kind. I don't know. It's not called dojo in Taekwondo, but whatever the equivalent of a, of a Taekwondo or a karate dojo is, he went there to find some guys who may be responsible. Yeah. And I think just to go back a bit, you know, one of the things here is, you know, Jeff is obviously the black sheep of the family. Yeah. Where Adam following in the father, the father's footsteps, because his father was a cop. So, you know, he's kind of the good, the good son and and Jeff is the bad son. But yeah, he goes, as you said, to a dojo or a gym uh, looking for some answers of where does the, where does the golden hand hang out? Because they're the ones respond. He doesn't know exactly who, but somebody involved there has, has, has to either know who did it or they did it. Um, and this is one of your favorite scenes, Chad Cruz. And I know it's a favorite scene of uh, those who follow us on uh, YouTube at Bulletproof Media, because that was probably our most watched video of all time was this dojo fight or gym fight. It's just an, it's a, it's a great piece of business, Chad. It really is. And it, it's the scene that, I mean, it's the one scene of the perfect weapon that I've seen the most, uh, having put it on YouTube multiple times in different incarnations. Uh, we've done uh, Thursday night fights uh, based around the scene and, and the scene itself is on there inside the action with the scene is on there. Um, so if you're a fan of this scene and this film, go to our Bulletproof Media YouTube page, check it out, see what we have to think about or what we think about it. But it is a great scene because it, we get the three on one fight. Uh, we get pure like Kimpo striking. Uh, it, it's in the spotlight for sure in this scene. He's he's kind of fishing for answers among these guys, but really what we're given is an opportunity to watch him fight James Liu, which anytime you can get James Liu in an action film, I mean, who doesn't want that? Yeah, James Liu, I mean, you can list fifteen movies that he is in and he, he makes them all better, Chris. I would agree. And not just James Liu, but you have to give, I mean, the casting decisions for this movie, I don't know if it was based on the setting or based on availability, but whatever stars aligned to get some of these actors, this was like the Asian 
martial arts actor all-star team. I mean, look at everybody right. that was in this movie. You know, James Liu was in this movie. Professor Toru Tanaka, Mako, James Hong, like, you know, Carrie Tagawa. Like, there's so many people that are just the upper echelon of Asian and martial arts stars, villains, heavies. They're all here. This this is probably one of the better casts of uh, 90s martial arts films. Yeah. I mean, if you were an Asian actor in Hollywood and you, you didn't get on this, you must have pissed somebody off because, I mean, everybody was in here. Like you said, it was, it was the best of the best. And it leaves it leaves uh, new lead star Jeff Speakman with less to do because he's a new guy. He's never had a, a lead role in a film. He's never been in, a lead, in an action film, especially. So he's got all these amazing villains to work against, and it it puts him in a perfect position to to make a great film. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because you definitely could tell there was some thought here, um, you know, because obviously one of the advantages that Speakman had over somebody like a Van Damme was, you know, he was American. You didn't have to deal with the accent or figure out what's what's the backstory of this, you know, because they always had to come up with some kind of backstory for Van Damme. Right. Why he had that accent where Speakman, you could just plug right in. I mean, he was basically to me, they were grooming him to be the next Chuck Norris. Yes, very much so. Yeah, he was very white bread. And very every man. Yeah, every man construction worker. Uh, and right, which you weren't going to get from Seagal because Seagal being, you know, he wasn't, uh, he was an American, but he's, he's so distinct. Like yeah. he was another guy who was almost, almost pigeonholed. Like he, there was certain things that he could be where, yeah. Yep. Speaking the every man, like you said. Seagal, you have to put like, okay, you're in the Bronx, you're in, you know, Detroit, Chicago, you have to put him in a big city because he, he just has that big city feel to him. And um, yeah, with Speakman, you could put him anywhere. You could put him in, in the Midwest, in the South. And yeah, he just, he looks the part and the dude has just physical abilities that, he, you know, he shows in this film. And if you give him great villains to work against, he's amazing. Yeah. And he did have those great villains in that one on three fight. He wins and Part of the the condition of him winning is they would tell him where the golden hand hang out would hang out, and he finds out it's the Crockpit Club. So he he kind of files that away. Uh, but meanwhile, Adam is over at just kind of questioning the neighbors in the neighborhood around uh, Kim's import shop to see if they know anything. But nobody wants to talk, Chris. Yeah, as usual, people are going to be giving him a hard time, and hard times just mean more tension and more turmoil for our hero to deal with and uh, eventually gets to showcase his skills yet again. Uh, we then get to uh, Kim's funeral and Jeff and his father do see each other. They don't speak at that point. Um, and this is also where you mentioned him earlier, Chris, James Hong shows up for the first time. Uh, he plays young and first we don't really know what this, you know, he's just kind of there. You don't know that this is basically the main villain of the movie at this point. Uh, but again, what a great casting choice. For sure. And uh, this kind of follows the format that a lot of our favorite action movies have always followed. The old uh, adage of all warfare is deception, where you get someone coming in, you know, are they a friend or a foe? And they kind of buddy up to the hero or they uh, make it known that they have good intentions when all along they're just kind of leading them down the wrong path for their own benefit. And then Adam decides to use this funeral chat in an inappropriate fashion, if you ask me. It's kind of disrespectful. <laughs> he decides to ask. He's like, hey, what about this kid we were hearing about? You were, you were there, Jeff. What about this kid? And 
Jimmy's there. And at first we think he just hears the, the two brothers fighting. So he takes off. He was actually taking off because he saw young. Uh, but that leads to a little foot chase there, Chad Cruz. Yeah, we don't we don't know that about Jimmy at this point. We just kind of see him run off. Um, and we're not, we haven't confirmed that yet. I'm sorry. Right. But but, uh, but yeah, Jeff and Adam both take off after Jimmy. And, and Jimmy kind of does the old run, jump off a random box in the in the alley over a fence, and uh, and he basically loses the guys. So Jeff and Adam get in an get in an argument out in the alley about it, and we realize that that Jimmy knows a lot more than than either of those two for sure, but that Adam and Jeff are certainly not on the same page when it comes to this investigation. And, and we also see uh, Jennifer, grown up Jennifer. Oh yeah. And, uh, old Mariska Hargitay, uh, in her easiest acting role of all time, Chris. I mean, did, does she do what does she do in this movie? Uh, I mean, she basically just makes uh, Gaga eyes at Jeff Speakman. You know, she's yeah. uh, she's not in SVU mode. She's not Benson. She's not chasing down a perp or uh, you know professing her girl power. She's basically she's eye candy in its slightest form. Yeah. And, and that's when I was done with, you know, doing our little outline that I do for all these shows, I almost was like, did I miss, <laughs> did I miss a part for her? Was there a scene with some there. substance in there? Nope. But no, I didn't. You almost yeah. feel like there should be a deleted scene somewhere, but there's not. Um, yeah. She, she just stared at the distance. Yeah. It's like almost like that first night when he's wandering around in the streets. Yeah. Like they should have had some kind of moment where they yeah. reunited. And that's why he wasn't there when Tanaka showed up to kill Kim. Right. Like he, sn- she snuck out the back and, and met with him and, and yeah, they had a little talk caught up, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And yeah, then he's like, then maybe he heard some kind of commote. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Maybe there is a deleted scene, but it wasn't on my Blu-ray. I could tell you that. What if I told you there was a, a deleted scene out there, but it was too hot for the rating. Too much for TV. Okay. Oh yeah, it was bad. It was okay. pretty graphic. So yeah, Mariska, <laughs> glad you got an easy payday for the perfect weapon. <laughs> um, so that night, Jeff goes to this crockpit club he's heard so much about, and obviously when he gets in there, he is not the typical clientele. He's sticking out like a sore thumb. Uh, and then, although so does the bartender, if you really yeah. think about oh, it. Yeah. But whatever. Branscombe Richmond's there as the bartender and what happens Chris, when an action star enters a establishment that serves alcohol? Uh, usually there are questions that go unanswered and fists that start flying. And perfect weapon does not disappoint. Um, we get that obligatory bar fight. Uh, this time though, the numbers do catch up with Jeff. Uh, he can't battle all these people. Um, and uh, Tanaka is actually about to finish him off, but we get this shadowy figure who says, nope, don't do it, don't do it. Um, and lo and behold, the very next day, Chad Cruz, this same shadowy figure approaches our hero. Yeah, Young is the shadowy figure, and he, he comes to Jeff with uh, asking, you know, he, he tells him he was a friend of Kim and he wants to help, and uh, he, he gets Jeff into his limo. And he starts kind of telling him a little bit of the backstory that's that's going on uh, in Koreatown. You know, there's three different gangs or mafia groups, um, and that he knows who did it. He knows one of the a guy named Kai, who's a soldier 
who who was part of this whole killing of Kim. And he wants to sick Jeff on Kai because he's like, oh, I'm I'm the fourth member. I know I didn't do it. Of course, you know, look at me. My fingers crossed behind my back. I totally had nothing to do with it. But you're an outsider. You uh, you're the only one that can kind of do this without causing a massive war. Right. And that, that, that's how he sells it. It's like I'm, a, I'm one of them. You know, I have my gang. We got these other three gangs. If I act against one of them, it's going to yeah, be. Koreatown is going to be in shambles. So, you know, and Jeff buys it hook, line and sinker. Oh yeah. And uh young takes him. He's like, Oh, there he is. There's Kai. He, he knows who did it. He knows who ordered the kill. And Kai played by one of your favorites, Jack Rose. Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa. Um, been in so many great films, so many amazing villainous roles. Uh, he, he can play his, his range is amazing. Japanese, Chinese, Korean, Vietnamese—any <laughs> one of any Asian descent, Karaoke Takawa has played it. But he's always great, and he always—he's always menacing, and he—he's put out plenty of good action scenes over the years. And uh, you pretty much anytime you see him, you know he's going to be a bad guy, so it, it fits well here. He's been typecast in the best way possible. Absolutely, for a good reason. Yeah, typecast me for a good reason, not for. About and this is the part of the perfect weapon that kind of goes, uh, you know, full out Death Wish Four with the way that they're setting up Jeff against all of the uh, the other mob members and gang leaders. Excellent point. Yeah, and, and this is almost kind of a misdirect too, because you think, oh, this is Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa. This is going to be awesome, but he kind of like wimps out right away. He's like, oh, I'm, yeah, it's, it was Whoa Sam. He's your guy. He's your guy. Yep. And it's like, wow, I was expecting more of a, you know, more of a battle or him to put up a fight, but we'll figure out why that is in a little bit. But so, yeah, Woe Sam is the one who's fingered for this, the death of Kim, and he lives on the top floor of a hotel. It's heavily guarded. There's this elevator that's on the exterior of the building that takes you up to Sam's penthouse, basically. And uh, we get old Jeff Sanders. He uh, hitches a ride on that elevator starts getting inside and he's just starting to take guys out, Chad. Yeah. It's great because um, like you said, Jeff takes everything hook, line and sinker. He just kind of like goes along with everything that young and Kai has told him. And uh, so he rides this elevator to the top floor. He, he, he jumps out, he starts choking people out and, you know, one punch knockouts on everybody, which is great in films. Um, and then uh, I, you know, here's, here's the thing. So if you're going to make a movie realistic, has to be realistic all the way through this movie goes the other direction. It's not realistic guy punches a dude. He's knocked out for 12 minutes, (laughs) but if you're going to do that, you got to do it all the way through. He's got to do it. You can't hit a guy and you know what I mean? Like the next fight is totally realistic. So um, this movie goes all the way in with it. He's knocking guys out left and right. He eventually jumps into Woe Sam's uh, his little uh, room, his, his uh, like upper level room. His awareness. His lair, you would think it would be a lair, but he's like kids and his wife and all kinds of people there. And he just goes up to him and he begins to kill him. Yeah. And uh, I I liked it here, too, because then Jimmy shows up and stops him. And Jimmy kind of works for Sam. And, you know, he knows that Sam and and Kim were cool. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, he's about to get. But before he kills him, again, Jimmy shows up. But Sam calls him out on this like one guy tells you something you just buy it like 
So basically, whoever the first person who got to him, he was going to buy whatever story he was told. Is, is, and I like that they pointed that. He calls him a dumbass. Basically. And then he's also like, you tried to kill me, but now I'm helping you. Very strange. Yeah, that was good, too. That, and it's a great scene because it, it showed, like, there's so many, they're not even subtle. It's like, he walks into this guy's room. Young's room is probably full of drugs and guns and stuff. Well, Sam's room has got his family and he's like reading him a book or something. Um, and then uh, he goes in to kill him and he's, instead of being killed, Will Sam helps him uh, after calling him out. So it, it's a pretty drastic difference. And basically maps out, like he knows how Young thinks and he's like, he, he he's making you the perfect weapon. Oh. And anytime you could say the movie title in a movie, you're okay with me. Oh yeah. So yeah, and so we're going to get Jeff and Jimmy teaming up uh, because Jimmy can help, you know, navigate Koreatown and get uh, Jeff too young. Um, and they also realize, you know, young's going to get out of town when, when things get hot, history has proven he just gets out of town. Um, so Jimmy's like, well, there's one place I know young goes every day and that's to the bank. Um, and so, Jeff hatches a scheme and kind of uses his own brother, Chad. Yeah. He, he basically, um, he goes to his brother and says, okay, Jimmy saw Tanaka there. Um, and he gives his brother every opportunity to basically uh, go after Tanaka, uh, while he's in route to the bank or right after the bank or whatever, um, which would leave young in the back seat of the limo. And we'll give Jeff the opportunity to go back there and uh, maybe snap his neck or something. Right. So, yeah, we actually get the Sander brothers seemingly on the same page, Chris, as they're kind of staking out the bank. Uh, but that, as you might expect, that plan does not exactly go uh, as as originally orchestrated. So uh, we get a car chase, Chris. Yeah. And that's a very sitcom-esque thing. way. They had Jimmy trying to identify him with uh, him reading the newspaper in the backseat with holes poked through it. <laughs> so that he could see and uh then we get a car chase and then we get toru tanaka embracing his professional wrestling healdom by not only pressing a car uh, a crashed car off of the roof of his but no selling the police including taser shots yeah fighting spirit right there man he did the the adam pulls out a taser blasts him once he takes a few steps i've i've been hit with a taser before that shit hurts um did you go down right away, Chad? Yes. I actually started on the ground. I was, I was doing it for some training and I was sitting on the ground. I got blasted with it. So I was already on the ground, but I, I could guarantee it would have knocked me on my ass. Um, but I did watch a guy. He claimed he could walk through it. So we said, okay, let's see how many steps you can take. He took two steps. We blasted him and he just dropped to the ground. It was great. Um, so the fact that Tanaka walked through the first one is telling that he is indeed a badass. The second one, however, did knock him down to the ground. Yeah, but the bad news in all of this is Young was never in the back of the limo. So this plan is really down the shitter. Um, but more bad news ahead as uh, they try to add him and one of the uh, uniformed officers try to uh, take Tanaka in to the station, Chris. Yeah, and uh, to me, this was kind of a weird scene because you know Adam's fairly young and it almost it's almost like they wanted him to kind of like be like mentoring this cop while they were talking like, Hey, how long yeah. you been on the job? But because Adam is relatively young himself, 
it came off as like this awkwardly flirtatious scene. <laughs> and I don't think that's the vibe that they were going for there. Uh, but whatever the reason for the conversation, it was all just to lead to Tanaka busting out of the car. Yeah, busting out of the car, shooting the cuffs off, and uh, Adam ends up in the hospital. And at that point, Jeff comes clean about the whole thing. Like, oh, yeah, I basically used you. Um, and uh, then out in the hallway, he actually does speak to his father, which had to be the first time in, in probably 10 years at least, I would think. Um, and uh, so, yeah, but now while that's going on, old Jimmy's hanging out at the crock pit. And he overhears a very important conversation with Kai where he tells him that young is leaving the country tonight. And uh, at that point, Chad, Jimmy goes and fills in Jeff and the two have a little recon mission. Yeah. How, how convenient for Jimmy to be at the crock pit and to overhear Kai say that. Um, but it, it, it's, it's useful for our hero and helpful for us to, to follow along. But uh, yeah, Jimmy fills in Jeff and um, they go back to uh, Will Sam's hotel or wherever he is. Um, and Jeff basically says, all right, you stay here. You'll be safe here. I got this. And and Jeff goes back to his wherever. I don't know if he was standing at Kim's still. I think he was at Kim's, yeah. Okay. He goes back to Kim's and gets his, gets his gear. <laughs> and by getting his gear, I mean he gets like a, a strap. He gets a strap on. Can I say that? You can. He gets a strap on and he gets a couple wooden sticks uh, and he beats the shit out of this couch that I don't know if that's Kim's couch, but bro, don't fuck up my couch. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's a nice uh, leather couch so, too. Seriously. He destroys Kim's couch, a dead man's couch. And then uh, he, he didn't need it anymore. Uh, it's true. But he does put on his leather jacket over top, which I appreciated. Uh, you know how much I love a good leather jacket. And, uh, yeah, he basically is preparing for war. So he's going back to get Young before he leaves the country. And so Young's got this whole like set up on the docks, fence, big fence all around, barbed wire on top, Chris. But we saw it earlier and we see it again. Jeff manages to get inside the walls. That's right. The past comes into play. He puts those pole vaulting skills to use, hops the fence, knocks out security guard and enters the operation picking off the various employees and evildoers one by one. And now we get the Jeff versus Kai. So the Speakman carrier Hiroki Tagawa thing we thought we were going to get earlier. That was nothing. Now we get the full blown battle, Chad. Um, and it was worth the wait. It was. And, and I was hoping for a little bit more of a lengthy fight. Um, Jeff and Kai go at it for a minute. Kai gets his ass kicked. He kind of feigns that he's out, that he's knocked out. Uh, and then when Jeff kind of diverts his attention, Kai comes after him again. Jeff messes up his leg. Um, he do, he plays the sneaky Asian routine, uh, which is uh, big in the uh, wrestling world. Yes, but, Pearl Harbors. <laughs> he Pearl Harbors him for sure. Um, but we finally, at least we finally got to, to get the uh, Jeff Speakman, Kerry Tagawa one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Yeah, and he wasn't the main, you know, he was yeah. like a mid-carter. So yeah, he, he put up somewhat of a fight, but not not the ultimate fight. I would have expected him to have some sort of weapon. That's all That's all I'm saying. Because he was never going to be able to go fisticuffs with him hand-to-hand. -hand. So maybe if he had pulled out some sort of like cool blade, but 
you know, whatever. Well, that was his boss's job because then Jeff starts smacking Young around. Yep. Uh, nearly chokes him to death. And he could have. He could have ended him right then and there, but you could kind of see, you know, hey, you know, he this this kind of got him in trouble in the past. Maybe he needs to cool it. Um, but then Young, Chris, he's got these like retractable sleeve knives, I guess is what I would call them. And uh, the only thing that saved Jeff here is, is those sticks. Yeah, his strap on. Yeah, uh, he had like kind of like super villain weapons, like almost like James Bond with those sleeve knives, as you said. But uh, Jeff, you know, uh, a good man after putting those sticks to use earlier as he uh, fought his way through the operation, puts them right back where they go. Didn't toss them aside. Wasn't like, hey, I'm not going to need these anymore. He just put them back. And a uh, good thing he did because they spared him uh, an unfitting end. Yep. And, and the whole time this is going on, there's a speedboat coming. Closer and closer and closer. And who's on the speedboat but Tanaka? And now this is really the main event, Chad Cruz. We've got Jeff versus Tanaka. And Tanaka, despite having the size advantage, in true heel fashion, still needs to cheat. And he uses anything and everything he can get his hands on. Oh, yeah. And and it's very much a... Uh, Tanaka is very much a James Bond villain. Um and the slow, he's making his way to the fight in a speedboat is very 90s and it's very great. Uh, and when he finally gets there, he, you know, he like mumbles his way onto the dock and then walks over to Jeff. And uh, it isn't long. You know, he does his, his usual punch, 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 clothesline on to Jeff. Uh, but it isn't long before he grabs a chain um, and starts swinging around like a whip and then he has a cool knife that is like embedded in his belt and he starts like a Indiana Jones. So it's pretty cool. It's like they must've had some sort of uh, arms dealer slash tailor that they went to with the sleeve (laughs) knives, the belt knife. That's right. I mean, I mean, I've seen the shoes, you know, with the blade and the shoe, I'm sure they probably had those. Somebody had them. Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, we get that. Um, But Jeff, once he gets that knife, the belt knife, he throws it, it hits a propane tank. And uh, this Chris is where we talked about this earlier. It all comes back from a tiger to a dragon. And Jeff not only becomes a dragon, he becomes a fire breathing dragon. He does. And that fire is what puts Tanaka down once and for all and causes a dockside explosion, vanquishing him, blowing him to smithereens and never to be seen again. No, he is not. He is a, a extra crispy at that point. Oh, it's uh, then Jeff turns young into the police and kind of has that kind of a little bit of a redemption with his father. I think like, look at dad. I did the right thing. I didn't take it too far. Yeah. It's and, one of those. Uh, then we get left unsaid scenes where he, they just kind of share a look, I think. And it's yeah, right as it should be. And speaking, and speaking of sharing looks, once again, we get, <laughs> oh, Mariska, I don't do shit for my money. Uh, and Jeff goes to Master Lowe's and, you know, they welcome him in and she, Jennifer kind of closes the door, kind of, what is that, a little bit of a, a godfather. Just closing the door. That's all we see. And then we see the dedication, though, Chad. Yeah, it's it's kind of cool that the, the perfect weapon is a film. It, it really does spot you know shine the spotlight on kempo as a martial art and and jeff speakman kind of became the voice of that martial art on film 
and uh, the, 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 the perfect weapon is dedicated to Ed Parker, who has trained a lot of great martial artists of the years, including Jeff Speakman and uh, I, I think Bruce Lee and all kinds of guys. So, um, well, yeah, wasn't it the Ed Parker gimmick that Bruce Lee uh, did that demonstration at and kind of which got him, I think, either that's where they was going to get the Kung Fu part. I don't know. That could be fake. at the, uh, the karate championship. Yeah, wasn't that an Ed Parker thing? Or yeah, it at least it wasn't. Started movie. Who knows if that was legit or they? Yeah, no that that was um, the International Karate Championship back in the seventies, and Ed Parker had helped choreography with this movie uh, prior to his death, because he died only a couple of months before The Perfect Weapon. There you go. So a fitting dedication for for more than one reason. Then, uh, if he was actually directly involved in the movie as well, so. Great movie. I, you know, rewatching this for the first time in a while, I was like, what? the whole time I'm like, this is a great movie. The, like that was one of my thoughts as I watched and was taking notes for this show. And it just, I, I don't have much more to say other than this is a great movie. Chad Cruz. Yeah. It's really well paced and it's clear who the heroes, who the villains are. Um, it, it, it doesn't like throw you for loops as far as storytelling goes, but are you looking for that in your 1991 action film? Um, so it, it's a, it's a great martial arts film. Um, it's different. Jeff Speakman is different than Jean-Claude Van Damme. Like we've talked about, he's different than, than uh, Steven Seagal. Like he just, he's not the same type of actor and he's not going to be in the same type of roles. So this film is, is, is made for everyone. It's not just the guy who wants to see these big flashy kicks and, and, hilarious accents and backstories and stuff like that. So this film has got so much going for it and there are so many great villains and, and it, it really is a shame that it's not talked about more in the action community, I think. But um, it, when you, when you talk about karate movies, it's like, like this, this is a Kempo movie, but this is like, this is top, top of the list for me. Right. And this would be the prime example of Kempo. Like Copa era is for only the strong. Yep. Uh, Chris, is The Perfect Weapon the perfect debut for Jeff Speakman? Absolutely, it is the perfect debut. Uh, you know, this I enjoy this movie wholeheartedly. Uh, fun fact, back in the day, and this is going to be a little time capsule for a lot of our listeners, my cousin owned a limousine service, and inside his limousines were televisions with VCRs, and he wanted every limo to have a little mini movie library in case anyone taking them out wanted to watch anything. And he would pay me to record movies off of television and use the tapes. And one of the movies in one of the limos was actually the perfect weapon. So that was actually a film that was frequently watched with my cousins and I after it had been released. And going back to uh, what we were all saying about how, you know, it doesn't do anything drastically different. You know, it was pretty straightforward and everything. I do have to applaud the film for using well-known actors in roles, you know, uh, you know, like Kari Hiroki Tagawa. You know, usually he's the big bad, and here he was, like you said, the the mid-card guy. And then we kind of had that little step by step, you know, this villain, that villain, with Tanaka and James Hong and Jimmy, who is normally the character that uh, is killed off. And oh, kid, why'd you get involved? It's just like, all right, Jimmy go where you're going to be safe. I, I got to take care of this now. Like he doesn't get involved in the climax. Like he's safe. He doesn't risk his own life. So there are some things that was done differently. No huge twists. Like what we saw in marked for death, which we just talked about recently. 
Uh, but it is other than, you know, the lack of uh, getting into that relationship with uh, Jeff and Jennifer as they get older, kind of leaving that to these little 30 second stare downs with uh, Jeff Speakman and Mariska Hargitay. It is uh, the perfect action film. And you got to also wonder, was that by design as well? Because, you know, obviously Speakman is a very, he's a rookie. Was it like, maybe they did have some scenes and it just wasn't working with the, the romance. Right. So yeah. Like, did they want to go too far into the romance his first time out? Great movie. Again, that's what I have to say about the perfect weapon. Uh, if you have not seen it in a while, definitely check it out. Um, and we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and wrap up this episode of the Bulletproof Podcast. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. We are back and just about out of time on this edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. But Chad Cruz, I know you have been busy with our YouTube channel, Bulletproof Media, if you're on YouTube, or you can get the link right off of bulletproofaction.com. Uh, any uh, thoughts or ideas that are coming up uh, on the YouTube channel, Chad? There are several ideas bouncing around in my head. Uh, I'm always looking at some of our old articles that we've that we've posted over the last several years on bullperfection.com for for inspiration. So you may see some videos coming out soon that that deal with uh, unofficial sequels potentially. Um, there's also some ideas bouncing around of some top 10 lists some top five lists and, and maybe one that has to do with real life politicians who acted in action films. Oh, Fred Dalton Thompson. Here we go. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. Well, definitely again, Bulletproof Media on YouTube, check it out, give it a watch, subscribe put the little alerts on. So, you know, exactly when Chad Cruz has done something, it's amazing to see when, when it pops up on my phone, I'm like, wow, Chad Cruz did something hard at work. He woke up. Speaking of hard at work, I know Chris, you are hard at work over at figures toy company. Anything uh, new over there to talk about? Uh, yeah, we're expecting another shipment sometime in March. As long as all goes well, obviously there's always a big question mark hanging over things these days, but Next shipment is due in March. I know there are more DC Comics retro figures coming into stock, uh, additional characters for the Swamp Thing series. There are still quite a few wrestling figures in production. Uh, I know that the Jim Cornette figures, which have been pretty popular in the past, are set to be restocked this spring. We'll also be restocking the New Jack figure and working on a variant edition of New Jack, bringing back the bloody variants that we had oh so long ago. The old school, yeah. Going old school, that's right. And uh, not confirmed, but I have spoken to Mr. Cornette about a potential bloody variant of his figure. So that is another one we could see down the line. Other figures like Alex Wright from the Legends line, uh, PCO and Brody King, uh, the new versions of Jay Lethal and the Briscoes from the ROH line, and then rising stars such as Rosemary from Impact Wrestling, Ethan Page, 
all in production. There's going to be scattered releases throughout the year. So a lot of good stuff coming and a lot of good stuff in stock now. So if you want to tickle your toy fancy, head on over to figurestoycompany.com. If the wrestling stuff is your main thing, then you can also check out wrestlingsuperstore.com where we've got additional action figure gear and merchandise from the past of the sorts of DVDs, T-shirts, pins, uh, replica belts, all sorts of stuff over there. You can also follow those company pages on social media. It's Figures Toy Company and Wrestling Superstore on Facebook and Instagram. And on Twitter, it's at Figures Toy Co. and at W-R-E-S underscore Superstore. And of course, if they want to get direct to you, it's at Zach Malibu on Twitter. That's right. You can find me doing all sorts of cool stuff for Bulletproof Action. You can find me doing all sorts of cool stuff for work. And you can find me talking about all sorts of pop culture awesomeness. And if you want to follow Bulletproof Action on Twitter, it is at Bulletproof Pod. And over on Facebook and Instagram, we are at Bulletproof Action. Uh, Chad Cruz, any anything else you want to talk about before we go? Uh, just a quick quick reminder that recently we've talked about Mark for Death. We've talked about the Street Fighter and the Perfect Weapon. So uh, if you, if you don't if you're not into these kinds of films, then maybe this isn't the podcast for you. But we're going to continue to talk about amazing action films going forward, and uh, we're looking. I'm looking forward to like what what Brain has kind of up next for us because uh, I know he's got he's kind of got it booked out for the next probably six or seven years. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to talking about some great some great movies. Well, going we're on. gonna we're gonna shoot for that video game action again for our next episode with Ryan Campbell. Hopefully he. Uh, You'll be back on the mend and, and uh, we'll be able to do that. And yeah, like you said, we're three for three this year. You know, we've covered three action stars that we've never talked about before. So I like that. That's big. Variety is the spice of life, as they say. Indeed. And as I always say, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. listening to the Geekscape Network.